Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hi, my name is Natalie Kreitzer. I'm an associate professor of emergency medicine and neurocritical care. I've been part of the UC Stroke team at the University of Cincinnati in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'm going to speak about Anexa-I and some recent results, as well as the trial design, as we talk about the treatment of patients with intracerebral hemorrhage. The first thing I want to discuss is the concept of hematoma expansion and intracerebral hemorrhage. And we know that this is a critical target of treatment in patients who have an ICH. I've got a couple of images here of CT scans that demonstrates what happens with hematoma expansion. Now, hematoma expansion happens, unfortunately, not uncommonly in patients with intracerebral hemorrhage, but those patients who are anticoagulated have a much higher risk compared to those patients who are not anticoagulated. So as we think about the background and some of the work that went into planning the Anexa-I study, the primary endpoint was looking predominantly at that hematoma expansion. Now, I have a table here from a study below that looks at factors that are associated with outcome after ICH. And you can see going through several of these, they have a lot to do with ICH volume as well as change in volume. And you'll see a couple of these, for example, the percent change in ICH volume at 24 hours as well as the absolute change in ICH volume at 24 hours are both statistically significantly associated with long-term modified Rankine scale outcomes in patients with ICH. Now, unfortunately, baseline ICH volume in CCs is also highly correlated. However, that's not something that really can be targeted for intervention. That primary event has already taken place. Now, as we think through what the NXI study did, Here's a figure of the study design. So these were adult patients who presented with an intracerebral hemorrhage. Within six hours of symptom onset or their last seen well time, they had to be within 15 hours of taking a factor 10A inhibitor or presumed to have been within 15 hours. They were randomized to either receiving indexinet alpha or usual care, the majority of which received prothrombin complex concentrates. These patients all had a baseline head CT. They got labs, including an anti-10A activity level, as well as clinical assessments, and they were followed for the next 30 days for both efficacy as well as safety endpoints. Now, patients were included if they were 18, if they had an ICH volume that was half a CC to 60 CCs, they had to have their imaging done within two hours prior to randomization. This needed to be done quickly in order for it to work well. And as I mentioned before, treatment with a factor 10A inhibitor within 15 hours or in those centers that were able to obtain this lab draw, a factor 10A activity of 100 nanograms per milliliter. They needed to have an NIH stroke scale less than or equal to 35, and their last seen well, as I mentioned, was less than six hours prior to that first imaging. 
Patients were excluded if they were pregnant, lactating, if they had a planned surgery within 12 hours, although there were a number of procedures that were allowed in the study. GCS less than seven, thrombobolic events within two weeks, if they were not expected to survive or if they received any type of anticoagulation reversal agent or blood products, or if they were in a different trial, they thought that the ICH was related to a tumor, if they had received indexinet alpha in the past, or if they had already received the drug and couldn't be randomized, or a known allergy or hypersensitivity reaction. Now, the primary endpoint was that effective hemostasis, as I mentioned before, because that's such a critical component of our patient's outcome at ICH. This was deemed by a second group um, in, of independent adjudicators who looked at the head CTs. And this is similar to previous studies and definitions of hematoma expansion. Less than 20% hematoma expansion at 12 hours was considered excellent and less than or equal to 35% at 12 hours was considered good. But not only did they need to have this as an imaging endpoint, but the patients also had to have a change in NIH stroke scale of seven or less, and no rescue therapy administered over the past neck, or sorry, over the next three to 12 hours post randomization. So all three of these had to be met in order for a patient to meet that primary endpoint. There were a number of secondary endpoints that I'm not going to get into extensively, but these are certainly things that as this data comes out over the coming months and we see the manuscript um, that we will be hearing a lot more about. Now, safety endpoints for the study were very important. The big one was looking at thromboembolic risks as, or sorry, thromboembolic events, as well as mortality over the next 30 days post-randomization. All vital signs and adverse events were recorded. All mortality, both in hospital over the next 30 days were recorded. Hospital length of stay, ICU length of stay, rehospitalizations performance of any necessary procedures in order to manage ICH, such as an external ventricular drain, or patients who formed any antibodies to indexinet alpha, native factor 10, or factor 10A. Now, looking through some of the results of this study, the patients with um, their baseline characteristics in the two groups are shown in this table. And I want to point out that the mean age in both of these groups was 79.4 in the indexinet alpha and 78.7 in the usual care. Otherwise, the groups were quite well balanced in terms of their medical history, hematoma volume, and even the timing of treatment was very similar in both groups in terms of the median door to needle time. Now, most importantly, that primary endpoint of this study was met, and not only that, that it was met early and the trial was actually stopped early because of this. Now, as we look at this table, those um, patients who were in the indexinet alpha group met that primary endpoint at 63.9%, and then those in the usual care met that primary endpoint 52.4%. Remember that primary endpoint required three separate things. That was that excellent or good hemostatic efficacy. And then patients could not decline in their NIH stroke scale by seven or more. And they also could not receive any blood products or additional reversal agents after they had received either indexinet alpha or usual care. And this 
resulted in an absolute increase in the indexinet alpha group in the primary endpoint of hemostatic efficacy overall of 11%, and it was statistically significantly different between the two groups. Now, not surprisingly, in some of those additional endpoints um, that we have information for thus far, um, the change in anti-factor 10A activity mirrored previous studies with a drop of 94% in the apixaban group, rivaroxaban group was 96%. Interestingly, adoxaban was not quite as high, although that is quite a small number of patients in both of the groups who were on adoxaban in this study. And then the hematoma volume and modified Rankin score are included below as well. The modified Rankin score was not statistically significant at 30 days. However, this was not a study which was powered to detect a big change in modified Rankin score. And lastly, the safety endpoints are going to be informative as we learn more information about this study. This again mirrored the previous study demonstrating that the all percent thromboembolic risk was about 10.4% in both of in the indexinet alpha group and then 5.6% in the usual care group. So in summary, these patients with ICH weren't early in aggressive management because of that hematoma expansion. Anexa I is the only randomized controlled trial that's looked at indexinet alpha compared to the usual care of these patients. An achievement of effective hemostasis was significantly higher in those patients with indexinet alpha. And again, this is the only FDA-approved specific reversal agent for apixaban or veroxaban in patients with factor 10A inhibitor-related life-threatening or uncontrolled bleeding. Thank you. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, EMCREG International, and Total CME LLC, and is part of our Minute CE curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com CME. Thank you for listening.